song we, we sing about building our, our life upon his love. It's upon him. He is our firm foundation. And it, it's no shock to anyone that we live in a fallen world, do we not? You look around and you see all the things going on in this world. You see all the, the hurt and the pain and the troubles we deal with, with natural disasters and, and wars. As part of living in this fallen world, we experience pain and struggle and frustration and trauma and hurt. You know, it, it makes me wonder if only there was something or someone that was telling us everything was going to be okay. If only we had something telling us the answer to all of our problems. If only we had something we could look to as a complete guarantee for all that we will ever need in life. I just wonder if God has ever given us anything like that. And then I remember that's exactly what he has done through his son, Jesus Christ. That's exactly what he has revealed to us through his word. The Holy Bible, Holy Scripture, God's truth, God's revealed will and truth and testimony and desires given to us. You know, last week we talked about being the new creation. We talked about in, in 2 Corinthians where Paul tells us how everyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. In fact, that the old you is dead and gone, along with Christ. When Christ died on that cross, if you believe in Christ and you are in Him, then you died with Him. The old you is dead. And the you that exists now, believer, is a new you. You are a totally new creation in Christ. A new heart, a new spirit, a mind that's being renewed every single day. The new has already come for you. And most of us don't realize that. Which is why I've, I've tried to make sure we understand what Christ has done for us in the past at the cross. What he does for us now as believers right here, right now. What we've already inherited. And then there's the other portion. Because the gospel isn't just what happens now. That's a, that's a portion that does get forgotten about. A lot of times when we talk about the gospel, we look at what did happen and what will happen. We, we forget about the now a lot of times. And so I've tried to make that a huge point every single week for us to realize as believers what we have now. But I also think it's very important for us to see what's not yet. What is to come for us? What is our, our great hope? What are the promises of God? What hopes can we trust in for the future? As we look at the world around us, we might be tempted to think it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And it may very well get worse. We don't know everything that's coming. We don't know what's going to happen in every instance of our life in the future. But we do know this, that our hope is in Jesus Christ and not our circumstances. It's not in a political party. It's not in a pastor. It's not in a man or a woman. It is in Christ Jesus alone. And I want to comfort us today by looking at 
a passage in the book of Revelation. We look at, at this, uh, probably one of the most disputed books in all of Scripture. <laughs> there, there's no short of books that get sold telling us when certain events are going to happen or why or how these prophecies, this, this, and that, and how it's going to unfold. And people, scholars, theologians have debated a lot of things for centuries. Entire denominations have been built to split off uh, from what they, how they interpret this last book of the Scripture. And I don't want us to get lost in that today. Because one of the things that we know is that God will reveal all of this to us in His timing and His will. He has a purpose and a plan for everything that He allows to happen in our lives. God never abandons us. He never forsakes us. He is always with us. But in this book of Revelation, we, we get a chance to see God's ultimate destiny for us as believers. And I want us to remember this, 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 what ends up at the end of this vision that he reveals to John. We look at this and we say, oh, this is how the story ends. But if you think about it in terms of eternity... The end of the book of Revelation is nowhere the end of our life in and with Christ. It's not the beginning because our life in Christ began the moment we believed. But what we see in the book of Revelation is far from the end of the story. So far from the We can't comprehend eternity. But we can see how eternity is going to start out and how it's going to continue. So what I want us to look at today, it's going to be in the book of Revelation chapter 21. If you don't know where that is, turn to your Bible, just flip to the back. Real easy. Revelation 21, and I want to set this up for us a little bit just to uh, help kind of set the scene. If, again, we could debate all the timelines and all that. I don't really care to do that this morning. That's not my purpose today. But if the book of Revelation follows a relatively sequential, you know, set of events. What happens in chapter 20 is that Jesus Christ defeats Satan and casts him into the lake of fire. And then following that, in fact, all of the, the dead, it, all in, in Hades, are resurrected. And, and then death itself and Hades, the realm of the dead, there in punishment, are then thrown into the lake of fire as well. There's a judgment that happens. Just like Jesus told us in John chapter 5, he said that we will all be raised. He said those who have done good are raised to life. Those who have done evil are raised to judgment. You say, hang on, hang on, wait a second, Aaron. I, I know I've heard you week after week after week after week tell us it was about believing in Christ Jesus, not our good works. But what did Jesus say the good work of God is? John chapter 6, that you believe in him whom he sent. This is the work of God. Jesus told us in John chapter 6 that everyone, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. 
those who Jesus has given eternal life to, does he raise us up for destruction or for eternity with him in heaven? This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. That's what you receive right now when you believe. You receive Christ's life in you right now. Eternal life begins here and goes on. But that's not the end, is it? Jesus said, and I will raise him up on the last day. And this is what we're going to read about in John chapter 21. This is the, the promise and the hope and the destiny for every single person who looks on the Son and believes in Him. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read through 7. John says, so this is after, again, this is after Satan has been thrown into the lake of fire, after death and Hades have been thrown into the lake of fire, the second death to die forever. This is what John saw. This is our hope. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, again, this is God himself speaking. Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Now listen here. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this inheritance. And I will be his God and he will be my son. When we think about that day in heaven. God has made us new here on earth. But then he's going to make a new earth for his new 
creation. As a believer in Christ, we've already established, like Paul said, that you are a new creation in Christ, and God is going to make an entirely new creation for you. To think about that the first heaven and earth has passed away and that the sea is no more. Everything you know about this world will one day pass away. Every bit of it. But then this new Jerusalem, this new city of of peace, ruled and reigned by God, comes down out of heaven from God himself for us. And there in verse 3, God declares the fulfillment of his promises. Going back to Moses and to Abraham, if we look, the promise that was given to them in the first place is that I'm going to bring you out of this place. I'm going to give you an inheritance. You will be my people. I will be your God and I will dwell among you. That was never fulfilled here on this earth and it never will be on this side. But right there, we have the declaration from God himself that I'm going to make a whole new place. And there I'm fulfilling the promise. I'm giving you a new heaven and a new earth where I myself am going to dwell with you. God and man together. The way we were always meant to be with him. I think about this. This is. This is Genesis all over, but it's better, actually. Go back to the book of Genesis. You remember God made Adam, and then he made Eve, and they would walk together in the cool of the day. Could you imagine what it would be like walking and talking with God just as if you're just buddies? And we think about that, and we're like, wow, that's amazing. But, but can, I, can I look at this? Adam and Eve were created in God's image pretty amazing humanity human beings we were created in God's image we were given a human mind a human heart and a human spirit and a human body but we were capable of being separated from God by our sin and that's exactly what happened in that garden when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God they sin sin entered into the world and suddenly everything that God had created was Our relationship was shattered and torn apart. And there was no way that we could restore or fix that relationship. Adam and Eve created in God's image. But let me tell you why the book of Revelation shows us a picture that's even better than Genesis. God is so brilliant. I I mean, God is... It's too good what he does. That's why we call this good news. It just keeps getting better and better every time you look at it. So Adam and Eve, the original creations, the first Adam, the first man, the original, they were made in God's image. They were created in God's image. As a new creation in Christ, you were created in Christ. You say, wait, how's that different than being made in God's image? In the original creation, we bore God's image. In the new creation, we have God's spirit living inside of us. This is better than being just made in his image. This is having him alive inside of us. 
with a renewed mind, a, a new heart, and, a ho- and the Holy Spirit. Not just a new spirit, but the Holy Spirit himself. Adam and Eve, they could be separated from God in that garden. When they sinned, they would be separated from God. And that's exactly what happened. But in the new Jerusalem, we can never be separated from God. Because the old is dead and gone. Jesus Christ has taken away our sins for all time. He removed them. He got rid of them. We never have to worry about being separated from God ever. Totally new creation. Joined with God's spirit. Made completely new and never, never able to be separated from God. It's Genesis, but better. It's a whole new creation. That's what he says in verse 4. He says, he will wipe away every tear. There's no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. Why? Because sin is gone. What we need to understand is that every pain and trauma and all the hurt and heartache, sickness, everything we deal with here like that is the result of sin entering into this world. We were given dominion. We fell in sin. Sin entered the world and it has been infecting everything since. So Christ had to rescue us, do away with our sin so that we could be united and recreated, reborn, born again in him. Never to be separated from him. When that sin is dead and gone and passed away, And when that day comes, when the new Jerusalem comes and we are there, we will never again choose a sin, walk in sin, consider sin. It will all be gone on that day. The only thing reigning will be Jesus Christ living in our very His spirit alive inside of each and every one of us. But that holy city won't need a light because Jesus Christ himself, our God, will be living in our midst forever. Forever and ever. You know, a lot of us have a picture in our mind of what heaven might be like. We might have gotten some weird ideas from some silly cartoons we saw as kids. Where we think heaven is just everybody is sitting in white robes playing harps floating on a cloud. But we might think of it as just one big church service where we don't do anything else. But God's new creation, his new world, his new Jerusalem that he creates for us where we live and reign with him as co-heirs with Christ is beyond anything our minds can imagine or conceive. It's beyond any wonder we could ever dream of. And its joy is never ending because of our Savior. And his declaration here in verse 5, look at this. He says, I am making all things new 
We go back and we look at creation back in Genesis. Again, God made this and he said it was good. 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 This is going to be, for technical terms, way more better. I am making all things new. You know, we like new. We like new cars. We like new homes. We like new this and that. Why? Because it's not breaking down. It's not having all these problems. It's not having all this. In the new heaven and the new earth, nothing gets old. Nothing wears out. Nothing wears down. It's new, and it's always new. Forever new. And in verse 6, he says that it is done. It's funny, only, only God can proclaim that something is accomplished before he's accomplished it, right? Only God could make such a declaration that it is done. This reminds me of the work that whenever Jesus spoke on that cross, it is finished. He spoke those words long before you ever believed and got saved, but he had accomplished everything he needed to. And the same thing here. Because these words come from the very mouth of God himself, seated of the, on the throne on high, you can bet everything on this. When he says it is done, there is no changing the future that awaits us in Christ Jesus. Is it, it is as certain as it has already happened, even though it hasn't. Only God gets to do that. He is the beginning he is the end. But look at this. I, I love this. And this is the, the, the best part of, the, of this to me. The, who gets to enjoy this? Who gets to enjoy this? Chapter 20 says, If anyone's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. So who gets to enjoy this? Right here. Who does God say this is for? To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. To anyone who thirsts for his righteousness, to anyone who thirsts for him, to anyone who longs to have his life, that living water, the water of life, he gives it to you. By charging everything you can muster. No. He gives it to you real cheap. No. He gives it to you without payment. Grace is grace because it is free. Let me make that statement again. Grace is grace because it is free. If it costs you anything, it's no longer a gift. That's a payment. That's a transaction. That's a purchase. That is not what Christ Jesus offers to us. What he offers to us is the gift of eternal life without payment. Free. To the worst of sinners. To the most hideous of humans. Anyone can come and drink from this, just as Jesus said, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. 
and I will raise him up on the last day. The invitation is for anyone who saves. Anyone who will look on the Son and believe. They get to receive all of His blessings that He offers to us freely. Forgiveness, newness, His life, eternal life, adoption as sons and daughters. Go to verse 7. Look at this. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be His God and He will be my Son. Sons and daughters, us. How do we conquer? How do we overcome all of this? By drinking freely what he offers to us. By believing in his son, we receive the water of life. We get this freely and we are his children. God would call you son, daughter. God would call you his very own. This is your heritage. Offered to anyone who will look upon the Son and believe. And for those of us who already believe, this is our heritage. This is the future that awaits us. This is the future that we've already begun to embark on while we're still in the fallen world. New creations will never feel at home in this fallen world. Amen? But you do have a home. It's being prepared for you. As a bride adorned for her husband. And any married man can tell me this. You ain't never seen nothing more beautiful than that woman on your wedding day. As a bride adorned for her husband. Pure and clean and holy. God is preparing this for you. His people that he has made pure, clean, and holy. By his blood. His life. Given for you. To make you one. It doesn't matter what we experience in this world. It doesn't matter what hardships we face, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing can keep you from this because God himself declares, it is done. This is your future. Amen? Amen. Let us hope and trust in him. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, God, we thank you for this wonderful future that we that we have God that you have already prepared for us that every moment of this life is moving us closer to that day God that's why we can celebrate even amongst the hardest of circumstances we can always be joyful because we know what lies ahead for us the future that you have Declared the future that you have created us and you together because of your son. And God, we've already begun to embark on that. Every one of us who has already believed in your son, I pray that we realize that we are new creations. The old is dead and gone. We are a new people created in Christ. 
made the righteousness of God in him. Made for you. God, we have a glorious future. Again, this is why we celebrate and call the gospel good news because everything about this is good. There's no tricks in the gospel. There's no gotcha. There's no catch. It's a free gift given to any and all who thirst, who look upon your son Jesus and believe in him. God, we thank you for that. We celebrate you for that. We honor you for that. And I pray we're reminded of that every single day, that we are made new every single day. But Lord, I also pray for anyone in this room who has not yet received that free gift. I pray that your Holy Spirit would would move them and guide them and show them that all they have to do is look upon the Son, look upon Jesus, and believe in Him. They turn away from themselves, turn away from their sins. They quit relying on themselves, and they look only to Him as their Savior, as their righteousness, as their holiness. God, you have given us such a wonderful gift in your son. And we are so thankful, God. We are overwhelmed. We can't even express our gratitude enough. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And Lord, we look forward to that day. We look forward to the day when we walk into the new Jerusalem and stand with you face to face, us and our God forever, with every tear wiped away, no crying, no mourning, no death, no pain, all of the old is dead and gone, and all that is left is us made new with you. God, we love you. We thank you. Pray all of this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus.